Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to take a minute to talk to you about making authentic friendships. You might remember the founder, Juliana Featherman, from episode 34 of Adventures in Autism. She is an autism sibling who created this amazing interactive web app that enables children ages 13 and up and adults with special needs to make friends based on age, interest, diagnosis, and geographic location. Parents and caregivers can also sign up to connect with other parents and caregivers. For more info or to sign up, head to makingauthenticfriendships.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 103. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you've been listening, thank you so much for coming on back to the show. And today's episode, I'm just going to jump right to it because it's kind of a long one, a good one, but a long one. Um, today, my guest is Anne Hall, who I just adore. And you will understand when you listen to this episode, she was actually Logan's preschool teacher the year that he was diagnosed with autism. So he was diagnosed in March. Honestly, that that whole year we were sort of like prepping and planning for this because he was on an eight month wait list. So, I mean, we knew that, you know, this was coming, the evaluation was happening and she really was just such a constant support and just such a wonderful, I, I say in the episode that she's just been like an angel to us and it's so true. She really is just an incredible teacher. And basically when I started this podcast, I knew that I wanted to get her on at some point because she, you know, as a special education teacher, I think she has a lot to say in this space. And beyond just, you know, her being so wonderful to our family, she's wonderful to so many families. Um, and she's just a great, a great resource. So I've been wanting to get her on the show for a while. And then obviously, if you're listening to this in real time, you know, school is going to be getting back into session soon. Maybe you've already started depending on what area you live in. Logan is going to be starting school really soon in just a couple weeks. And I really wanted to talk with a teacher just kind of about like everything going into this year, talking about, you know, thoughts and concerns and preparations. And especially with her, it was really interesting to have this conversation because I initially was thinking maybe I would talk with another parent just about, you know, our concerns and our thoughts going into this year. But then I thought it'd be really cool to get a teacher perspective on things because I feel like, you know, we all want what's best for, you know, our kids and our ourselves and our families. But we definitely, so it's it's just, it's a different perspective for sure. Cause I'm not a teacher. So I was really happy to have this conversation with her. She really like opened my eyes to a lot and was just very honest and very open. And I know you guys will just love her cause she really is so heartfelt in absolutely everything she does. So I think this is a really great conversation for, for anyone who, you know, we're, like I said, we're all kind of figuring out what this year is going to look like. And we're, you know, forced to make decisions and choices that we've never had to before, which definitely feels scary. And you'll hear when you listen kind of 
where I'm at and the choices that we've made and kind of how we came to those conclusions. And then just, you know, talking about like going forward, what this, this school year may look like and all that good stuff. Um, but it was also really fun too, cause we just kind of took a little walk down memory lane and talked about kind of how we first met. And again, just those early days of Logan being diagnosed and her being such like a important part of our team at that time. Um, and it was just awesome. So like I said, I know you guys are going to adore her cause she is just amazing. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Anne. Hi, Anne. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. So I just called you Anne, but we still refer to you in this house as Miss Hall, and you will forever be (laughs) Miss Hall. (laughs) And you know, it's so interesting, too, because I have had former parents, like they even call me Miss Hall. Like they just find it weird calling me Anne. Like I can't, I can only call you Miss Hall. So yeah, it's pretty normal for me. <laughs> yeah. You will forever be Miss Hall. And what I mean to that for listeners is that, so Anne was Logan's preschool teacher and really at a very critical time because she was his teacher, like as he was going through leading up to his diagnosis. And then really like once we got the diagnosis, like that, that whole year with you was, I mean, really like such honestly, like forming moments for us. And I feel like we really went through the ringer with you and you were just always such like a constant and so positive and just, you really have been like such an angel in our lives. And I, I could, I could gush about you all day. So I'm so happy <laughs> to finally have you on the show. When I first started the show, you were so positive and I was like, I got to get you on the podcast. And then now obviously oh, everything going on with COVID and school starting back up again, I was thinking like, I really want to do a back to school episode. And initially I was like, maybe I'll talk with another parent, like about, you know, their concerns and what they're thinking. And I was like, Ooh, it'd be really great if I could get a teacher. And then I was like, huh, I've still got Miss <laughs> Hall in my back pocket. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, so I called you up and kind of last minute you decided to do this. So thank you so much. Um, you are so welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, oh I'm so glad. Well, today I want to get into all the COVID stuff, but to start with, I, I don't even really know exactly. I would love to hear what brought you to teaching, especially special education. Like, was this something that you always wanted to do? Like, how did you get to this place? Yes. And, um, for so many of us, teaching is almost innate. I have, I've always known that I've wanted to be a teacher. My mom was a teacher. Um, and it was always something I was drawn to growing up and it was something that I always knew. And I, I recognize that now as an adult being very blessed to know like that was my calling. And I started working in um, a preschool when I was 15 years old. And (laughs) so, and and nannying and babysitting and doing all of that, like working with children has always been my passion. So I knew that I was meant to be a teacher at, and, you know, into what grade level or what area that was always kind of an unknown for me. Obviously, early childhood and preschool kind of really stole my heart um, when I was a teenager. And then I had an experience with um, a really close family friend of ours. And um, she was my first kind of experience in the special education world. And she stole my heart. And from that day forward... I was dedicated to Mm. special education and um, because she, she had such an impact on, on my life. And I knew that I wanted to dedicate my life 
to special education working with young children in special education. And I was blessed um, when I went to school and had so many opportunities to work in, in a variety of different classrooms with amazing cooperating teachers who I have learned so much from. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was never, ever a question for me. Teaching was always my passion. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Well, you're, I, I always like how you said it's a blessing to kind of know what you want to do. And I feel like that just like oozes out of you because you are such a natural teacher and it you can just tell like this is, it really is your calling. And it, it's like I said, I could go on and on about it because you were just such a, such a oh, thank you to Logan. I mean, you just like scooped him up and it was, it was truly like, especially at that time, like I said, that was a really, that was a very difficult time for us. Like I was still grappling with so many emotions and having, having a teacher like you to just be like such a guiding force through all that was, was such a gift, honestly. Um, tell me, cause I mean, kind of going, going down memory lane a bit. I remember the first time I met you, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, you, you came to the house for like a home visit before we started school. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes. And I just cried my eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, it's something, um, that I, it's, it's such a treasure that I hold. And I'm, I I tell parents this all the time that it truly is an honor and a privilege to be your child's teacher. And I mean that with every, every fiber in my being, that it is a privilege and honor to be their teacher. And especially in early childhood, um, and where this is their, like for a lot of them, this is their very first exposure and experience to school. Mm -hmm. And, um, for, for some parents, you know, they are, they're, they're working through a diagnosis that's been just been diagnosed for their child. And you are just as much a support for the child as you are for the family too. Mm -hmm. And so it's so important to build that relationship. And that's one of the things I love the most about early childhood is that you do get to build really strong relationships and connections with the family mm-hmm. um, that last clearly longer than, you know, the year that you have them. Cause we've been in contact ever since Logan was, mm-hmm. was with me. And um, during, you know, and during that time for you, it was, and, and I felt that my, my role during that time was to, you know, we say, you say it all the time, like we need to meet them where they're at. And mm-hmm. the same thing for the parents, like we need to meet them where they're at too, and be able to provide the support and the guidance that they need, whether it just, whether it's just to be a listening ear mm-hmm. and just to be a sounding board or to provide different resources that they can they can utilize to better support them in their journey. Um, But yeah, it's different for so many and Mm -hmm. the journey towards acceptance and Mm -hmm. um, of, of changing their hopes and dreams for their child, because those do change. Yeah. um, And they can change when those diagnoses are, are shared. Um, It's just really important to be um, kind and Mm -hmm. compassionate and empathetic during those times. Yes. And you always were, you were just like such, like I said, such a, like you said, even just the listening ear and just being that, that, that guidance, that support. And I never, I never felt like judged in any way. Cause like I said, the very first time I met you, I was just like bawling my eyes out. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and and I, I cried. So, oh my gosh, I think about all those meetings that we did. And it's so funny. Cause like now I, I like, I, I, I can't remember the last time I cried at a meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like growth, you know, it happens for the moms listening now who are like, I cried every meeting. Like you're maybe you won't forever, honestly. Cause I, I mean, I used to sit there like thinking to myself, okay, if you say something, you're going to start crying. So just don't say anything. Like that was true. <laughs> like the stance that I had, cause I just, I, I was such like an open wound at that point and everything was so new. And like, I was processing things. And like you said, school itself was new. This was our, our, a whole new experience for us. And, you know, handing your, the most precious thing to you, your child over to his teacher and, and this team that, you know, it, it feel it's so scary as especially for me like he was my first as a first time parent it really just felt so, the everything all about it felt really scary and like unsure but having having you and like such a great team made made it so much so much easier to handle and i will never forget after logan actually got his diagnosis we called like a kind of a supplemental i don't even know if it was an iep but it was like we met before school and manny came and i i think um the speech therapist and the OT were there too. And I, I came into it like already emotional and thinking like, Oh my gosh, we're going to talk about like how everything is going to change now that Logan has autism. And, and this was like toward, I think it was in March that he got his diagnosis. So like, you know, more than halfway through the year. And I'm thinking like, we've already gone through this year and it's like, now we're probably gonna have to change all this stuff. And you guys were just like, absolutely nothing is going to change. We are still going to be here for you. We're going to support you all you can. And you were like, and this meeting is really just to talk about how amazing Logan is. And you guys just like gushed about him for the next like 30 minutes or whatever. And just like filled my heart with so much joy. Hearing people talk about Logan kindly is like my favorite thing in the whole world. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how you can. I mean, I am one of Logan's biggest fans. I adore him. And he is. And yeah, and, and going back to that, too, is that's something that I always tell tell parents is that when your child has received that diagnosis, it does not change the way I love them. I care mm-hmm. for them and I teach them. It opens more doors for you as a family. Mm-hmm. And but it's not going to change the way I teach your child, love your child, care for your child. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's important, too, because like you said, there's just there's just so much happening all the time. And especially once you enter the world of special education. And I, I really do my best to make sure that parents know their rights and that parents know what they are in control of and what, and that, that they are an equal member at that table. Mm -hmm. When we have those IEP meetings, I sometimes, I always start off with letting parents know that you are an equal member of this team and everything that you have to share is important and it's valuable because you are your child's biggest advocate. Mm -hmm. So anything that you have to say, please don't hold back and and share because the more you share, the more we can build that homeschool relationship and the, and the success for your, for your child will be that much more successful. Yeah. Um, and so, but but going, you know, going back to Logan, I could gush about him. (laughs) He was, and he is just like, there is just, I mean, I love all of my, my students that I've had. They've all, they all hold very special places in my heart. And there are just some that tug on your heartstrings a little bit more. And Logan <laughs> is, and will always be one of those children for me. And I know I've told you this a thousand times, and <laughs> but he is, he is a truly a, a beautiful human being. And anybody who's ever had 
the opportunity to work with him, to be around him for more than five minutes, you know that and you can feel that because it's infectious. And so the day that he left my room was one of the saddest, but luckily he was still in the building. And then <laughs> I ended up doing, you know, ESY. Yes. Um, and I I did ESY just because Logan was going Aww. and I knew it was going to be the last time that you know, I might see him for a while mm -hmm. and just to get that extra opportunity. So just wanted to shout out my guy, Logan, because oh he, he is a really special human being. And okay. so for anyone out there who gets the opportunity to work with him, it's <laughs> your life will forever be changed for the better. Oh, I am just <laughs> grinning from ear to ear and my heart is bursting. Uh, like I said, it's really my favorite thing to listen to somebody. <laughs> He's a great guy. Because I mean, I, yes, I'm his mother and I just agree with everything you just said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, no, I say all the time, he, Logan is an angel. Like he really is. Um, he's, he's just such a blessing to us. We, we have a new therapist at his, at his center and his clinic that he's been going to for the last couple of months. And she's amazing. We love her. And we're going out of town next week. And then school was supposed to start sooner. And now it started a little bit later. And she thought her last session with him was on Tuesday, but we actually, because school's starting later now, we have a little bit more time. And she, she had tears in her eyes that morning when I dropped him off and she's like, I just, I'm, I'm going to miss him. So, and she's only had him for two months and she's yes. like, I'm just going to miss him so much. And I was like, well, you still have a little more time with him. And she's like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I'm so happy. And she was saying to me, she's like, honestly, she's like, he is just so different from any of the other kids I work with. And she was just like, you are so blessed. And I'm like, I know, yes. trust me. Yes. I, I am. <laughs> and I count my blessings every day, but it's honestly, it's people like you and her and these these amazing people that come into our lives. And I just, I truly pray that like every parent listening has somebody like that. And I know how lucky we are because we have had just such incredible people on our side and it's, it is more valuable than gold, truly like having people in your corner, rallying around you, rallying around your kid, especially in those early days, it's just invaluable. So Again, thank you just for everything you've done. Oh my goodness, so, always. It is my pleasure. Oh, I'm so glad that we've just been able to keep in touch and just continue this love fest. And I think it will continue forever. <laughs> it will. It will. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of me. So why I really wanted to have you on though, besides gushing about Logan, um, yes. <laughs> is because obviously, you know, heading into the school year, I mean, to say it's different would be an understatement. And I feel like this has been top of mind for every parent, every teacher. And it just seems like it's, I, I wanted to have this conversation just because I feel like there, there's so much going on and this is, we're all thinking about this. So heading into the school year, I know, I mean, I'll share a little bit about like kind of what I, what I know will happen with, with Logan. And I was saying this um, last week, but I feel like we're getting like bits and pieces of information. Nothing is like really concrete. Things keep changing. So obviously like every area you're in is different, but what, as far as like plans going into this year, what do you at least think is going to happen? So for right now, and, and like you said, Megan, you, you hit it on the head, like plans are changing all the time. Yeah. And, um, I have learned so much about myself during this <laughs> quarantine period and during remote learning in, in, in March in the spring. And um, my biggest thing is I have had to learn to be more flexible than I am. And I, I, I do 
believe that, you know, I am flexible in most areas, but this has just been something that's been so far out of our control. So much of it is out of the teacher's control, state's control, parents' control. And so, you know, for right now, tentatively, as of this very moment, I am able to go back in person Mm -hmm. um, five days a week. We only were able to, we, we modified our school day a little bit. Obviously we have a lot of safety procedures put in place and social distancing measures being insured. Um, but our, you know, parents did have that choice. They had the choice of coming, sending their child in person or sending their child um, or, or choosing remote learning. And I think, unfortunately, it has become this massive debate um, and where, people are very judgmental over what decision you make. And, you know, my thing is, is that the decision you make for your child will be the right decision because it's in their best interests. And we, we really need to start rallying behind that, that there are so many things to consider when, when parents are making these decisions for their children to go back in person Mm -hmm. or to do remote. And, same for our teachers. Our teachers are having, and my coworkers are having the same conversations about themselves, about coming back in person or doing remote. You know, I'm not someone that has children. So I'm, you know, I, I do recognize that I'm fortunate that I don't, I don't have that factor to consider Mm -hmm. because I can't even begin to imagine being a teacher and being a mom and trying to make these decisions for my family. And um, so right now I'm coming back in person. I have some of my children are returning to me. Some of them have chosen, you know what? Remote learning was really hard in the spring and it just really wasn't a good fit. So we're just not going to come back Mm -hmm. to school and we're going to take, you know, a year off. And then I have some of my students who are choosing to do remote learning um, that they, you know, we're able to make it work and they feel like that's going to be the best decision for their child and and their family. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, especially for some of my students who are choosing not to return to come to school at all. um, I want to preface too, that a lot of them were very fortunate that they were able to maintain their, their um, therapies um, Mm -hmm. such as ABA over and during COVID. I mean, I've had some of my students that, it didn't, there was no lapse in their therapy. They were able to maintain that and they made a lot of growth and success because they were able to maintain those schedules and those routines and that sense of normalcy for them. And I mean, it it very much made a difference in their lives. So they wanted to be able to, to maintain those routines and schedules and just keep on doing ABA. Mm -hmm. And I've had parents reach out to me and say, you know, well, should I, should I just do ABA full time? Cause I'm able to, to have all my therapies scheduled or should I come back to school? And at the end of the day, I just, I want the students needs to be met and whether that's in the classroom with me, or if that's at ABA, what, whatever is going to give them the opportunity to continue to make growth and to make progress and, and to succeed. That's all I ever, I ever ask. And especially during these times, it's, it's not my place to judge. My place is to make sure that, all of my students and their families are healthy, they're happy, and and they're safe. And that's always been, you know, even pre-COVID, that's always been my my biggest model that I live by. And for my teacher friends out there, they'll understand more of my, my statement is, um, 
we, our students can't bloom until they Maslow. And that is something that I wholeheartedly stand behind. And for all that are listening, um, uh, bloom is referring to Maslow's Bloom's hierarchy of needs. Um, and that's basically that our, in, until your basic needs are met, you're not able to achieve anything else. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's what I feel is so important is building those relationships with my students, making sure they're healthy and they're safe and, um, and that they're happy. And once we have that foundation, then we can get to those academics. And I think right now in the period that we're in, in the world, that sentiment can't reign more true. Mm-hmm. We ha- we're going to have students return to our classrooms or our virtual classrooms after being away for so long. And for me, the kind of mindset that I'm going into right now in the school year is how can I repair the relationships that I have with my students and um, not be scary to them by wearing a mask. Um, so how can, how can I start to build these relationships with them so they can sustain over remote learning? Because I think we all know that we're eventually going to have to go remote at some point during the school year. And I think that's something that we can all kind of agree on. Um, so how can I do all the best that I can being in person to build these relationships with my students so I can continue that into remote learning so we can have all of our growth and successes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree with like everything you said. I love what you had said about, you know, until like your most basic needs are met, you're, you're really not going to be able to progress and grow. Uh, I think that just that, that means a lot, like on a, at any time, um, this is like a total sidetrack, but yeah. and listening who is familiar with what's been happening with our family lately, my sister, um, being diagnosed with brain cancer and like going through treatment when I took her for her surgery to, to have her, her, um, tumor removed from her brain, the, the nurse, we were talking about basically like extremely basic needs, like going to the bathroom and like, if she would need a catheter and stuff like that. And it was funny because we took like quite a bit of time to like talk about these things. And, and my sister and I were kind of laughing like, oh, gosh, like this is like this doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. Like talking about, you know, like if you're going to be able to use the bathroom or not. And the nurse said she's like, you know, this is like one of the, the first things they teach you in school is it's like, you know, toileting, eating like these are like the most basic things. But it's like if you don't have like the most basic foundation of things and like nothing is going to happen from there. So yes. like I said, big tangent, but really, really <laughs> holds true. Cause it's like, and, and I think, you know, people, especially those listening who we realize that some of those things are a struggle, even just, just those things on their own. So yeah, getting this year, looking at kind of what, what we're sort of up against, I feel like, like you said, there's a lot of conflict and a lot of back and forth. And I totally agree that I think parents making their decision for their child, like, you're, I always say like, nobody knows your child better than you. And I think you yes. know what's best for them. Yeah. Yes. And, and the thing is, and, and you and I were talking about this uh, before too, that, you know, at this point it's like, everything is kind of a risk and we're in this like whole new age where, you know, leaving our house alone is a risk, you know, and yes. figuring out like, okay, but like what, where does like the benefit outweigh the risk and kind of like judging from there. So I know like for us, for, so Logan, the, the co-op that he's in his program, they are offering a, a five day a week in person. We also got an option of doing a hybrid, meaning like 
two or three days a week in person, then two days remote, um, or all remote. Or like you said, just pulling completely and, you know, doing like full-time therapy, that kind of thing. So, I mean, we definitely, we, we thought about it for sure, but it wasn't too hard for us to figure out or to come to the decision that we know that Logan needs in person. We did not see really great. uh, It was, it was just hard in the spring when, you know, COVID first hit and we were doing everything over zoom. He's definitely an in-person kind of guy. And (laughs) he, yeah, I mean, he did the best he could and we really, really tried. We really gave it it our all. And I was tearing my hair out over zoom like every single day. Um, But it was just, it was so hard and he was just not really getting anything from it. It just wasn't, it was not a, the right way for him to learn. So yes, and and it is, and it's it's so different for everybody. It's a unique yeah. situation for everybody. I had students that did so well during mm-hmm. remote learning because they were able to maintain their other therapies, so they were able to receive telehealth. So when we would engage via, um, you know, uh, Zoom or Google Hangouts or things like that. Um, that we were able to work really well. And then other students had such a really difficult time identifying me uh, as me on the screen. Um, they had a hard time associating that. And so it just became really difficult. And for the parents too, I mean, I would schedule uh, meetings with all of my kids throughout the week and I would talk to some of them for a little bit, but the most of the time I would talk to the parents mm-hmm. and some of them just needed another adult to talk to. Yeah. Um, they would either, they would be the only parent at home while their, uh, you know, their, their spouse was, or the partner was at, at work. Um, and so they just needed someone to talk to and say, this is really hard. And so I just was there as a support to let them know that they are doing all the right things. Everything that they're doing is they're doing it the best they possibly can. That's all we can ever ask for. Mm-hmm. And it was such a unique time in March too. I mean, I mean, it's permanently dated in my mind, March 13th, Friday the 13th. Yeah. Was the, was the last day that I, I mean, I didn't know at the time, but it was the last day that I would see all of my students in person. Mm-hmm. And I reflect on that day a lot. Um, yeah. And so in my classrooms, I have mixed ages between three and five. Um, and so some of those kids were kinder- and, and kindergarten bound and they were going to be going to, because I'm in a center. And so, you know, some of those kids were going to be going on to their their elementary schools and I wasn't going to be able to see them again. And, you know, it was just really, it was really, really hard not being able to have that closure. And um, for all the teachers out there, like they'll understand our relationship with our students is Mm -hmm. such a unique relationship. We do for some of us, especially, you know, in, if you're an instructional teacher and sometimes you may, you may have your students for years Um, And so you get to know the families and you get to know them and having them move on is a really emotional experience because you've been with them for so long. Mm -hmm. And um, so the fact that we didn't have closure to say goodbye and to just, I mean, just basically to have that closure was, was really difficult for a lot of teachers Mm -hmm. Um, because I think, I think too, especially with teaching, it's not just a career. It's, it's also a part of your identity. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know for, for me personally, 
when we were in remote learning, I felt like I was kind of having an identity crisis a little bit because mm-hmm. I, I felt like I wasn't useful. I was, I, w- I wasn't as useful as I, I could be. And I wasn't able to help in the way that I could and watching my students have a really hard time or watching my parents, you know, their parents get really emotional and saying, you know, that they need help. I just felt like I was bound, you know, and I, I couldn't help the way that I wanted to. And teaching had changed overnight. And it wasn't something I signed up for. It was <laughs> such a unique world that we were all entering. And um, it, yeah, it was just a really difficult time for, for teachers. And uh we did have so much support in, in the spring from parents. You know, I would, I was very, I'm very fortunate that I have, I've always had a phenomenal group of, of families that I have had the pleasure of working with. And so they were right there. We were all cheering each other on to get through the, the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now as we enter the fall, it's, there's, it's just, it's, it's so different. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of tension and, it's all coming, I feel it's all coming from a place of the unknown. And, you know, we're all kind of sick of being in quarantine. We all want normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think we should strive for normal. I think we should strive for better. Mm-hmm. Like, let's be better than, than, than normal. Like, this is our opportunity to be better than normal. Yeah. And one of the things that I love about teachers is that we are some of the most creative, innovative thinkers and Mm -hmm. we are going to make this time the most successful it can be with all of the resources or or therefore lack of resources that that we have and um I personally have found myself right now kind of pepping myself up you know and putting on my brave face and finding the joy and the positivity because those kids are coming and they need me yeah and I got to figure out how I can bring joy and happiness into the classroom during these unique times. Yeah, for sure. I think kind of like how you said you were having an identity crisis because you felt like you couldn't help. I think we all were having that because it's like none of us, we all felt so helpless in our own way in like a different way for all of us. But it was just like this, everything was kind of happening around us and like to us. And there was just like so little control that we had over the situation. I feel like, like you said, I think we're all sick of quarantine, but at the same time, it's like, we're kind of used to it now. Whereas at first it was like, it was such a new thing and it was just so hard to kind of find your footing in this, this whole new experience. And there was a lot of anxiety and just, just definitely like scary times. And I do think, like you said, like kind of going back into the school year, like we sort of had this like reprieve from everything over, over summer, even though like, I mean, there was still challenges for sure but we didn't have to like necessarily think about the school stuff. And now it's like, we're getting back into it and there is a lot of tension and a lot of conflict and a lot of like differing opinions on things. Um, But again, I think it just goes back to like, you have to make the best decision for your child. And then, you know, for you on the teacher side of things, I'm, I I mean, I would love it if every teacher was as, you know, loving and caring and as passionate as you are. (laughs) And I think there, there are so many amazing teachers. And I just think having that, I've said it a million times, having that like open line of communication with, you know, your child's teacher, I just think is like the best thing that you can do. And 
you know, just tell them your fears. Like you said, like talking to the parents through throughout quarantine, I was doing that with Logan's teacher. Like we would do the zoom calls with his whole class. And then I would do like the private zoom with her (laughs) and it would just be a lot of times it would just be her and I talking about like things we were worried about and just like having another adult to talk to. Um, but I think that was really important. And I really, I'm like how, kind of how you said about, you know, missing your kids. I'm so glad because this is Logan's last year with his current teacher and we adore her and we're going to miss her so much. So I'm just like, I'll take any time with her this year. <laughs> and I'm sure get. she's going to miss you too. Yeah. No, she said the same thing. She was like, <laughs> I can't, she's like, if we don't go back and I don't get to see Logan. I mean, she was like, <laughs> so yeah, we both were just like, we have to go back. So yeah, for, like I said, for us, it was a somewhat easy decision to be like, okay, we know that, that Logan really needs to be in person. But I, I mean, I will say with Liliana, granted it's just preschool, but we're not sending her. Cause it's like again, mm-hmm. kind of that risk versus benefit thing. And I'm like, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to risk anybody, but I'm like, I just don't, I think for her, if we kept her home and just, you know, kind of work on our program, she actually really enjoys and does well doing like ABC mouse. And then we also have like some workbooks to actually work on like writing and cutting. And, um, my mom is a preschool teacher. So she's like, whatever yeah. programs I do, she's like, I'm just going to bring them over and we'll, she'll do the same craft that my kids do. So I feel like we could make that work for her and I'm not, I'm not worried about it. Whereas with Logan, like, I, I can really only do so much to like work with him. Like he, he definitely, he sees everyone like in their specific role and my role is mom. My role is not teacher, therapist, ABA. And I, I, even when we were doing, you know, like the zoom sessions and stuff, like trying to facilitate that stuff with him was just so hard. He was, he, I mean, you know him, like he loves to like charm his way out of things. And that was like every <laughs> second. He would pay like two minutes of attention and then be like asking for fruit snacks, be asked to go to the bathroom, like any way he can get out of something. He's very, he's like too sharp with that kind of stuff. So yeah, just getting him to focus at all was so hard. So then on top of that, to get him to like make any kind of growth, like it just, it, it really wasn't happening. So yeah, we're, we're, ready to go back and they his school is doing like a a little bit shorter of a day just to kind of be able to sort of facilitate things better allow more time for cleaning um and then also in terms of like protocols the teachers are going to be wearing shields and masks and logan's pretty used to that because he's doing he's doing um aba now and they all wear masks they don't wear shields but i mean he's not like that's not scary to him so that's not really a concern of ours And then they're going to be doing temperature checks like every morning before they even enter the classroom. And yeah, so that, that made me feel better. And then like his teacher literally just today sent a picture of the classroom and how she has it set up. They normally have the desk kind of like, he has a really small class anyway. So his risk of exposure is a lot lower, but they normally have the desk set up kind of like in a little like almost like made into a table. So all the kids are like near each other. And then his classroom is set up really well and just very like, it's all, it's different than a typical classroom, but it works really well for, especially with, for him. It's like, they actually follow the star curriculum, which is specifically for students on the spectrum. So it works really well for him and it's got some ABA principles, but she kind of rearranged the room and she's like, okay, the desks like are further apart now. But she also was, you know, being really honest with us. And she's like, do I think that these kids are going to be able to be socially distanced? Probably not. Like, she's like, I'm Mm going to do my best, but it's, it's probably not going to be 
you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be perfect. Um, and I think yeah, that was, I was glad she said that. Cause I feel like there, maybe there are parents going into this thinking like, well, we need social distance. And it's like, I understand where you're coming from, but it's also like, if you're not comfortable with your child being in a classroom with, you know, their, their friends, their peers, and it's like that to me, it's like, that kind of is a given that it's like, we have to be prepared for the fact that like, they, they may not even really be able to like understand the concept of socially distanced you know yes and that is that is a a a concern that I feel spans so many different age levels yeah and and it's definitely a conversation that I and um the other teachers I work with have as well in regards to social distancing because that's the number one thing is we want to ensure the health and safety of all and one of the big things Um, especially for teachers, is (laughs) teachers do the opposite of what um, the, the air, you know, like the airplane safety about putting your mask on before you put the mask on others. (laughs) We don't do that. Yes. (laughs) We, we always put the mask on others first. And then if there's any oxygen left, we'll put it on ourselves. (laughs) And that's just in the nature of who teachers are. We're, we're givers, we're providers, very similar to parents. Mm -hmm. And it has been a big mind it, for a lot of us it's been a big mind shift. Like, no, it is important that you put that oxygen mask on first before mm-hmm. you can help others. And the other thing is, you know, for the first time, I think many teachers have had to put their needs first mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of guilt that can be associated with, with that. And there shouldn't be, there shouldn't be any guilt by, or, or any kind of feeling like that by advocating for your own health and safety. I know personally, it's been a journey for myself. I'm, I am, I'm one to be a great advocate for my students, but when it comes to advocating for myself, I could be better. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. And so I have really, I've been struggling with that. And I think a lot of teachers have too, with standing up for themselves and saying like, no, my health matters too. Like how, mm-hmm. you know, how can we ensure health and safety for, for, for us? Because it is a concern because I'm, I'm going to be returning home to my family and my kids, or I I'm going to be returning home to loved ones that are immunocompromised <laughs> or so many different things. And there's just so many factors to, to consider. Um, but health and safety being the number one, um, fear and concern for a lot of teachers. And it's, it's sad that I have, you know, read on social media or, you know, just heard from close friends that they are considering taking a leave of absence from teaching, or they're considering retiring early from teaching, or they're just simply quitting in general. And it breaks my heart that those, that, that some of them have had to come to those conclusions because those are the only conclusions that can ensure their health and safety. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes me so sad. And I'm, I'm fortunate that I um, am in a, a place where I do feel that our, my health and safety needs are, are being best, the, the, being met, excuse me, the best that they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the other thing too, is that there is no perfect plan for going back. Mm-hmm. If there was, we'd all do it. <laughs> There's plenty of wrong ways to go back. And I think we can all agree on yeah. that. Um, uh, but there is no perfect plan. And I, and I think too, that we're all looking for someone like for fingers to be pointed at, and we want, we want someone to blame and we can't blame 
we can't. I couldn't imagine being an administrator right now. I couldn't imagine being a superintendent and having the weight and the burden of those decisions. Um, and I and I, I do empathize with them. And it, it's everybody is in a really difficult spot right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I mean, you said you heard updates from Logan's teacher today. Our plans are changing by the minute. And um, I, you know, I'm not great with change. I have a really hard time <laughs> with it. And so with these plans always kind of changing, it's making it difficult to plan for the beginning of the year because there's always, you know, hush hush of, oh, maybe we're going to go remote sooner than later, but we can't hope on that. We have to plan for the, we have to plan for the current plan that's before us. Yeah. So I am, I'm trying to give myself grace and I'm trying to practice what I preach um, by just doing the, the best that I can and letting that be enough. Yeah. And I think as teachers, that's really difficult to, to, to settle with is that <laughs> doing the best is enough because oftentimes we don't think that way. We can always like, Oh, we can do more. I can do better than that. But right now we just, the, we have to recognize and appreciate that what we're doing is enough and it will be good enough mm-hmm. for our students. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's really good advice for anybody. I feel like that uh, especially as, as a special needs parent, I definitely had to, to learn that lesson kind of the hard way. <laughs> um, Cause there definitely was a time when I just felt so, you know, overwhelmed and lost and just really didn't know like which way it was up. And I, I had to kind of, like you said, just like take a step back, give myself a break and be like, you know what, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. And then it's like, you put one foot in front of the other and, and you, start kind of finding your way. Um, but in, in this situation, it is so like unknown. This is such a, a new, a new experience for all of this. I, I keep saying to parents too, who, who are like, j- just, you know, talking about everything, like trying to figure out the best decision for their family and whatnot. And I'm like, you know, this year is going to look different for everyone. And it's not really going to be yes. for anyone. So it's like, we're just, we're trying to make the best decision out of like these all, you know, not ideal choices. So it's like, it's, definitely, yes. it's hard to do. Um, but kind of how you had said before, like really finding joy, choosing joy for, for your students. I think that is such, I, I mean, I know you and I know that's how you are. And I, and I, but I think we all could use a dose of that right now, because again, like it's, it, this is not, this year is going to look different for all of us. And it's like, we just need to find a way to get through it and hopefully, you know, do the best that we can, like you said, and, and the best that we can, it is enough. Yes. And team and like, another phrase of mine that pays is like teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. And we, as cheesy as that is, I mean, I do live and breathe by that. Like it does <laughs> take a village and we, we do need as, as a, as a staff within a school building, we need to be united. Um, and from there on, that goes even more nuclear to the fam- our own classroom and making sure that we are united in, in that. And yeah, and like you said, it's going to be different and there will be plenty of bumps along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but my biggest thing is I, you know, there was a, there, I mean, it's still kind of going on a little bit, but there was a lot of negativity around 
teachers. And it seems there was this weird shift that happened, you know, in, in March, teachers were praised as, as heroes and, you know, superheroes. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, you know, now we're being, you know, called lazy and we don't, we're being selfish that we don't want to go back to school. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Mm-hmm. And so I try to avoid social media in regards to that because everybody has a comment and a judgment and, you know, so, and, and nasty ones at that saying that teach that, you know, parents, we should be given teacher salary. Um, taxpayers should get um, the t- a tax cut because teachers aren't coming back. And the thing that's really silly about that is that schools never closed. Right. Buildings closed. Buildings closed, but school didn't. Teachers worked harder than some of we have ever worked in our whole life. You know, on that March for us on that March 13th, our whole world got flipped upside down and we threw ourselves into the trenches and got super creative to create our our a digital curriculum that never existed 3 days prior to mm-hmm. that. And um it, it's it's a, it's a shame. It just makes me a little sad when I do read those comments and, and, and to hear that that is the perspective of some people, but I am, I'm an optimist. I'm also a, a realist, but I'm also an optimist. And I know that there is always more good in the world than there is bad. And for all those negative comments, there are more positive comments and there are more people in our corner than I think are not. And I think it's important as teachers to remember that too that we do have an army behind us of of parent current parents former parents students that appreciate us and respect us and need us and then they know how important our jobs are whether that whether that we are in person or behind a camera we are we are still needed and our jobs are still important Oh my gosh, completely. It's it's so interesting to hear you say that because obviously, you know, we all see different things and I really do. I, I don't even like engage in any of the negativity on social media. So, and, and I just have a different perspective on a lot, a lot of things. Like I've seen recently a lot of people saying like, I'm going to take a social media break. Like there's, there's too much negativity and I just need a break from it, which I totally understand. Like if you feel like you need a break from that like if it's if it's affecting you then you absolutely should take one yes um, I just like that stuff for me like just rolls off my back like, I just don't even pay attention to it yeah I don't even see it but to hear you say that is so it's it's shocking to me that anybody would be saying that because I more more often than not when I'm talking to people I'm like oh my gosh like this makes me appreciate teachers even more and just all the work they put in and all the, you know, the time and the energy and, and like you said, just like the love and the, the compassion they have for their students. Like at Logan's IEP meeting, it was over Zoom. I, like I said, I rarely cry at meetings anymore, but the only <laughs> thing that made me cry was that I just missed his team so much and I just appreciated them so much. And when we were kind of, you know, wrapping up, I, I totally broke down and I was just like, I am more appreciative of you guys than ever because I felt their absence. Like I, it really, 
it was such a, a difficult thing for me. Like I'm his teacher has like one of those apps that we use to, to communicate. And I mean, I was talking to her like on that app, like almost every day. I mean, she was sending home a note every day. I'm writing back to her. And, th- and then <laughs> on top of that, there's phone calls and emails. Like it's like, we're just in, in really constant communication. And then to like, not and especially in like those happy moments like not be able to share with her because I would like shoot her a message and be like oh my gosh Logan did this kind of thing and it was just like it really did it felt it was so sad to to be like oh my gosh we just miss our team so I yeah yeah to me it's like no teachers they are superheroes they are incredible the work that you guys do and my mom's a teacher too so I just Mm -hmm. have a whole different respect for teachers for sure Um, and your perspective is your reality you know and that goes for everybody and it's 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 different for everybody and I I really do my best to obviously I mean I don't engage with any of those negative comments I, I I read them sometimes and just am baffled by the things that people say because I know that they wouldn't say them to my face they have the, I mean, that goes for social media in general. They have the confidence to sit behind their screen and say those things, but they would never say that to my face. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe they would. I, ho- I mean, I hope not, but um, <laughs> they, they, I mean, they would never say that, say that to my, to my face. And I'll never, I'll never, I won't forget. It was uh, a couple weeks ago and um, I did a pretty strict quarantine. Um, it did, it scared me. <laughs> so <laughs> I really kind of bunkered down and I, I'm a, I'm a teacher. So I'm a big rule follower. So <laughs> I did everything that was told of me. And I realized, you're like, you know what? Like, I do need to start venturing out. And this was like, I mean, this was after, you know, our state had reopened more phases. So we, we could do these things. And so I was like, you know what? I need to start preparing. I can't let school be the first experience. I'm with a large group of people. Mm-hmm. So I went to um, uh, a child that I nannied for for a long time he was doing he had a baseball game and so I I went and I was pretty far far away and just kind of watching and um I the people there like no one had masks on it was just a different experience for me and um just a lot of people with a different mindset in regards to COVID Mm -hmm. and so I I mean I had my mask on and yeah um and I remember like you know there was some parents that were kind of talking to me they found out I was a teacher and we were kind of talking and they very much had differing opinions on the reopening of schools than than I did and it was interesting to hear their perspective um regarding it I try to be really open-minded and and I do want to hear their perspective so I can be more open-minded and I'll never forget there was um a grandfather of a player and after these parents were done talking to me he kind of pulled me aside and he said, um, he's like, now, what do you think about the school reopening plan? And then uh, no one had asked me that before. Mm-hmm. And I, I found myself getting really emotional. And I, mm-hmm. I told him, I, you know, I, I just kind of shared with him my thoughts. And I said, you know, I just feel like sometimes I'm screaming underwater, mm-hmm. you know, that, te- that at, at that point in time. Um, I just felt like I was screaming underwater that I wasn't being heard. Teachers weren't being heard. It just was, it was so, such a wild time a couple, you know, about a month ago. And mm-hmm. I, he looked at me and he said, I hear you. I respect you. And I appreciate you. And I mm-hmm. just about, I, I thankfully I had sunglasses on because <laughs> I was, I'm pretty sure I was bawling at that oh. point just to hear this man recognized that, you know, 
just just to be heard just to yes. be told i hear you i respect you and i appreciate you goes so far he didn't know me mm-hmm. he just knew that i was a teacher and he had also heard you know that there was this the tension between the community and the state and teachers in regards to the reopening plan but the fact that he took the minute to to say that made all the difference so mm-hmm. just know just kind of going back to that too, for all the negative comments that we do see out there, there are people like this sweet, kind grandfather mm. that don't post it on social media, but are the silent cheerleaders yes. for, for teachers and, um, and for kids. So that's what I needed. And I, yeah. I will never forget. I'll never forget that because it was one of the most kindest moments when all around me was just kind of negativity um, yeah and it so, makes a difference so powerful like you said like just knowing that somebody is like just like you said like I, I see you I hear you like that alone is just it, it's so powerful because when you feel like you that's such a good way to put it like screaming underwater you're you're just like what's what is how can I get through to people how can I get my point across so knowing that it's like anyone is listening to you just having that validation I think is like so it, it, it really does make, make all the difference. Yes. Um, yeah. It's just crazy to me. Honestly, I can't believe that. I, I, like I said, I don't know. Like I, I know what's going on. Like I know, I know there, are, there's a lot of conflict and, but I, the crazy thing to me is it's like, I can't imagine anybody coming at the teachers, like maybe coming at the district, maybe coming at like higher level or like how, I mean, you and I were talking about this the other day, but it's like, I mean, a lot of this is coming from like the governor, you know what I mean? Like this has very little to do with like the actual teachers. Yes, it does. And it's, um, it, it's teaching is an interesting, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful, beautiful, wild world to live in that I wouldn't change ever. I, I love being a part of it. There are just so many other outside factors. And so, um, and you know, and for our, you know, our state specifically during remote learning, it was difficult because especially for special education there, it's, it's just so different in so many ways, general education, special education is, is protected by, by law federally and um, within the state. And so we had to get guidance from the state in regards to special education and in, in regards to any kind of modifications that would be happening. And then those modifications, if any, were sent to the school districts for them to approve and run by their lawyers to make sure that we are following the law with fidelity and mm-hmm. making sure that these IEPs are being upheld with fidelity. And so there are just so many people that, that talk and, and things change. And we all know that the government doesn't work at a fast pace Mm -hmm. and it can be really slow and it it can that's when it becomes really painful is when you do have to be patient during those times and knowing that it's out of your control you can advocate um for what you think is best but at the end of the day there i mean in, in march anyway the state didn't really ease up on any of the guidelines regarding special education it was still mandated that you follow everything with fidelity as if it were not a pandemic Mm -hmm. and so it did pose a lot of challenges but we are you know like I said earlier we are creative innovative intelligent human beings and we we made it work and we'll make it work again this year too Mm -hmm. um and it's it's just gonna take some patience and that's what I keep kind of telling myself and it's but it also is difficult too because you know parents are a part of that process and we have to make sure that parents are in 
uh, or an agreeance if we do have to make any kind of amendment regarding their IEP. Because if they do choose to go remote, there might be some goals that might not be able to be monitored during remote learning. And we're still getting guidance on that as of right now as to, okay, especially in the early childhood world, a lot of our goals are functional play goals, social interaction mm-hmm. goals. It's like, okay, well, how, how are we going to make that work in the remote setting? What can we do to make that work in the remote setting when maybe they don't have siblings or they're an only child and they don't have access to their peers? Right. So what is that going to look like? And that's an ongoing conversation that, you know, I think school districts are having with their special education teams, as well as with the state, with whatever the state they're, they're living in, um, and regarding guidance. So it, it's, it is, it's, 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 it's difficult and, um, definitely a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think even though it's like, yeah, we have these plans in place now, like you said, it's like, we really don't know what the rest of the year is going to look like if, like if, and when we will go remote, um, and, and like I said, like even Logan, like sending his teacher was, you know, sending us these pictures today. So she's got like the classroom set up. And then she also sent us a photo of, um, I guess they're, they're splitting things up in terms of like eating lunch because mm-hmm. so last year, Logan did lunch, um, like in the cafeteria, uh, the year before they, they had eaten in their classroom. So it was like kind of like easing. He gets more inclusion time every year and, we felt like it was appropriate for him to, you know, start eating in the cafeteria. So now I guess what they're doing is they're splitting up the kids so that they're, they're kind of making like the gym into a cafeteria. So there, there's going to be like the actual cafeteria with like more socially distanced tables. And there's going to be the gym where they're going to have like more tables for social distancing. So that was interesting too. Cause I know that's something that just with like some of my friends in the neighborhood, we've talked about like, okay, if we're going to do, you know, we can figure out with like desks and whatnot. And this is like, even like with their typical kids, but they're like, what do we do about the cafeteria? Like, what about the, like, it's like, there's, if you figure out like one thing then it's like, well, what about this? Like, there's just so many things. And I like, she sent us pictures of the setup and I'm like, okay, I feel like that, you know, seems appropriate. Um, but still, I mean, like, there's just, there's a lot that it's like, we're, we're really going to have to just like try it and see. And then if it doesn't work, then kind of how you said, like teachers are creative and scrappy and resilient and like kind of going back to drawing board, like, okay, this, this didn't work. So like, what are we going to do now to fix it? Yes. And I, I, my kindergarten teachers out there, my heart and my thoughts are with you. It is such a difficult time right now, especially regarding lunches too. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm fortunate that I don't have to worry about that. My students only go to school half day. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to worry about eating lunch. Um, But I know that that's a really difficult conversation that's happening in a lot of of districts and how we're going to support that because you have to take your mask off in order, in order to eat. Right. <laughs> um, it makes it a little difficult if you keep your mask on. Mm-hmm. So those are definitely conversations that are, that are being had. And um, like I said, like, I, I do know, you know, there are some, there are talks in a lot of other districts about, yeah, like you said, eating lunch in the classroom um, and what that would look like and how can we ensure safety and health during that time. And like you said, and that's something that's been preached um, a lot in um, my district and surrounding districts too, is that you have to be, um, you have to be willing to know that the plans are going to change and 
we have to be flexible during this time. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm, I'm learning that I very much (laughs) like my students, like my schedule. I like to know, I don't like change. I like to know what's coming up next. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I'm living in this world where none of those things are promised to me. (laughs) So trying to do my best to have flexibility, but also maintain my, my structure and my routines. It's so funny because I always say, I joke, like I'm not, I'm a hundred percent not type A. I'm hardly even type B. I'm like, I'm (laughs) Z or something. I don't even know. Like I, like, I don't really, I, I am totally fine with no routine and like, just kind of like figuring things out as they go. But even for me with quarantine, like, I'm like, I just, I need like some sense of normalcy back. Like, this is just like, it's so far outside of my comfort zone. So I really do feel for people who, I mean, like, like just seeing Logan and what a struggle it was for him, like missing out of that routine and now that he's back in ABA he's just so much happier like he's just he's thriving whereas like the the first few weeks of quarantine he actually took it really well and I think he was kind of enjoying it like he was sort of like oh I get to play hooky kind of thing yeah (laughs) yeah and then it was like reality set in and he was just he was just done like he was ready to get back to his routine get back to his people just kind of get back in the swing of things and yeah it's been like a little over a month now that he's been back into therapy and it's been just just so good for him he's just been like so much happier and so and that's another huge reason why we, we decided that we want we do want to send him in person because it's just like i know you know obviously like our our physical health is so important but so is our emotional and mental well-being yes being around our people like we are not meant to be you know humans are we are pack people you know what i mean like we need our people yes. our tribe and, and him, especially he's, he's such like a, a lover and just loves being around his people. And I just know, I know how important it is for him. So like, that's, that's our decision. I'm sure there's probably people listening right now being like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing that. We're doing remote. And it's like, I, I respect your decision. I respect yes. anything. Like I said, I'm keeping Liliana home. Like I, I understand both sides of the coin. And I think the best thing that we can do for parents, for teachers, for everyone involved is, is just be respectful and be understanding. And we were talking about one of our, our favorite people, Mama Fry. <laughs> yes. I, in from Eileen, side of I Fry's. adore you. Yes. I, I do. If you're listening, Eileen, <laughs> I, I do want to let you know, like you were one of, uh, she was someone during, um, quarantine first of all I loved her pre-pandemic I love her post-pandemic I love her all the time um and so it she was someone to me that really opened my eyes to the parent perspective of remote learning Mm -hmm. and because she for any of those who don't um follow her she is very real and raw and honest regarding her feelings about how difficult it is for a parent during remote learning to provide all of the therapies. You are now the parent, you're the therapist, you're the teacher, you're everything. And I mean, I did, I did receive that input from my own families. Um, And I think some of my families were very raw with me, but for her, for, for her watching her every day, sharing her thoughts, she really gave me a, a, an insight into truly how difficult and challenging those remote days were mm-hmm. um so um I, I so to Eileen I hear you I see you I yeah. appreciate you Love her. um no what I, I say though is that she one of the things and she said this recently was she's like you know it, it, any 
whether they say, you know, okay, we've, we've have taken the time and we've decided to do remote learning. The response should be, I'm so proud of you. That's a great decision. I yes. What's best. And then to the parent who's sending their child in person, exact same answer. I'm so proud of you. That's a great decision. I know you're doing what's best. And it's like, that really should be like across the board, just like supporting each other. And like, that's, yes. that's really it. Yes, because we don't know the weight that went into that decision. Right. We don't know the conversations that had went on behind closed doors, the discussions, maybe the, even the arguments that went on. There's a lot to consider regarding those decisions. It, and it's not just the child. It's not all about the child. It's about the, well, the health of the family. Or if you have other family members that are immunocompromised that, that may be even at a higher risk if your child goes to school. There's just so much to consider. And I a hundred percent agree with Eileen that we do need to rally behind uh, our parents who make these decisions because it they're tough. It is mm-hmm. no parent made that choice lightly. No parent did. Mm-hmm. They all took time and to really think through all of the pros and all of the cons and all of the risks and for, for parents to have done all of that and then share their thoughts and opinions only to be ridiculed and judged is heartbreaking is heartbreaking. So I'm glad that she, that she did use her platform to share that message because we do. We, we, we all need the support right now, especially in the climate that we're living in. We need kindness. We need support. We need compassion. We need empathy. Yes. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I feel like we probably could talk for like another hour. We could. Um, yes. Or two even, but I, I, I so appreciate this conversation and you just being so honest. And I, I'm really glad that I had this conversation with a teacher. I mean, I was saying, I'm glad it was with you in particular. Um, because like I said, initially I was like, oh, maybe I'll get another parent on. We can talk about school. But I, I think it's so valuable to hear the perspective uh, from a teacher. And um, I just, I mean, again, I, I'm so thankful for, for everything you've done for our family personally, but just your, your passion for, I mean, if everyone listening can hear it, it's coming through loud. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have to say anything else, but I'm just, I'm so thankful for, for anytime I talk to an amazing teacher or anyone who's, you know, works in this field, I, I'm just so thankful that people like you exist because, you know, I, I mean, I trusted you personally with Logan and I know there are so many parents who, who trust you and it's, it really is like such an incredible thing when you, when, when there's someone who cares about your child in such a profound way. I mean, I say it to Logan's teachers all the time and or his therapist. I, I'm just always like, thank you so much for taking care of him. And they're like, of course it's my job. And I'm like, I know <laughs> like you're, you're, you're doing things like the right way. Like you're above and beyond. And, and cause you see there's people that don't always do that. So thank you so much for taking the time today to have this conversation. Oh, yes. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much, Megan, for having me on and allowing me the opportunity to talk with you. And um, I just want to give a huge shout out to all of my fellow teachers out there. I know that we're all in different situations right now. And for some of you are in worse we're more worse off than others and you're struggling and you're advocating to make sure that the health and safety of yourself and your students are being met. So keep advocating. For, for that and just know that 
we're all in this together. We're not, we're not in the same boat. We're in the same storm. Yes. Um, and um, what we are going to get through this and, and to all the parents out there still struggling to make this decision for their child, just know that the decision you make for your child will be the right decision because it is in their best interest in your best interest. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. So yes, good luck to right. all my teachers out there this next school year and to all of our families. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And I, I know I will talk to you soon. Yes. Thank you so much, Megan. <laughs> All right. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. <laughs> I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue. And those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Anne. It, or Miss Hall, I should say. <laughs> like I said, we still refer to her as Miss Hall. We always will. Um, isn't she just amazing? I truly am just so, so blessed to have her in our lives. And I'm so glad that she has remained in our lives, even though Logan was her student. I mean, going on four years now, like three and a half years ago. It's crazy to think it's been that long. But she really has been just such such a wonderful part of our lives and I'm so so thankful to have her and so thankful that she came on the show so thank you again Anne for having that conversation with me I hope that everybody listening you know feels a little better going into this year or just feels a little bit less alone maybe I know I definitely I was really happy to have this conversation with her and just get that teacher perspective on things even though like my mom is a teacher and I I get it I think it's you know it's different for everyone and I just think it's really important to to have these conversations and really talk all this through because it's hard. These are definitely like heavy decisions and there's a lot of weight around them. I know I've been talking with all my friends like nonstop, whether they have special needs kiddos or not, just figuring out what this school year is going to look like. And like Anna and I were saying on the episode, and I've said this many times, I feel like, you know, the, this is not going to be an ideal year. There's definitely less than ideal circumstances for sure. Um, but my stance is always just like, let's just try to make the best of it, no matter what we're looking at. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Again, school hasn't actually started yet. So <laughs> I'll have to come back in a couple weeks and see how that's going. Let me know what, what you guys are doing, what school is going to look like for you. If you're going to be doing homeschooling or e-learning or, you know, in person, 
Um, I think it's all really interesting and I truly do just respect everybody's choices for whatever it is that they've decided. Just like, you know, I hope that you would respect my choice and I, I know that you guys are so supportive and we all, this community definitely like gets it. Um, and I'm really happy too, to have a teacher on. And like I said, to hear the perspective from Anne, because I know there are a lot of teachers and therapists that listen to the show. So I, I totally stand with you guys. I support you and, I just think that we are, we're so lucky to have all these amazing teachers. It really makes like absolutely a world of difference to have, you know, a supportive, kind, loving teacher like on your side. And I know that unfortunately that is not always the case. So we are so blessed and so thankful for teachers like Anne. Um, So thank you for listening today. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast or on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. I love to hear from you guys. I love getting feedback. If you have any like questions or comments about the episode, let me know. And if you are enjoying Adventures in Autism, if you would be so kind to leave a rating and review, especially those on Apple podcast, those really do help people to find the show and they just make me really happy. (laughs) So if you have time to leave a review, that would be great. I would love to, to hear what you think of the show. Um, but also just tap in that five star helps a lot too. So I appreciate that as well. Um, but that is all for now. So until next time, take care.